The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. Well, before we look in the Word together, I do want to tell you about something happening Tuesday night at TBC. We're hosting a group from Lynx Fellowship, a group of folks who love golf and study the Bible together here in our community. There's a gentleman named Sasha Tutserov, and Sasha was a KGB agent in Russia. His daughter had an American friend, and he kind of had a suspicion that her parents might be missionaries, and so he went to check them out. And they invited him in and said, hey, we need a language helper. Won't you come and help us? And he asked lots of questions about who they were. And through them studying language and reading the scripture together, Sasha came to faith in Jesus. He no longer works for the KGB. And he is the president of Moscow Seminary. So he'll be sharing in the Outback with Lynx Fellowship Group. But it's open to anyone who'd like to come. That's Tuesday at 7 p.m. Well, we are continuing our series on being formed by Jesus, and we've talked about what it looks like for God to use the spiritual disciplines to form us into the image of Christ. And we've talked about reading the scripture. We've talked about studying the scripture, praying and fasting, being part of the church. We've talked about Sabbath and solitude. We're going to talk about service and hospitality and evangelism. Today, we are talking about giving. And you might see that and think, oh my gosh, we pick this day to come to a church and this is what they're talking about. Well, we don't talk about it often, but we do talk about it some. We don't pass the plate. We've got boxes in the back and ways to give online, but it is good for us to talk about. Now, when we talk about giving, all kinds of questions might come to someone's mind. Was it right to give? Do I need to give? Are there rules about giving? Should we give it all? How much should we give? Can we afford to give with the economy like it is right now? But today, we're not going to talk about giving as a law. We're not kicking you out if you don't give, right? But what we are going to talk about is giving as a part of Worship and the discipline of giving generously is one of the ways that we joyfully declare to Jesus that he is supremely valuable and everything we have belongs to him. Now, before we even begin to talk about it, we want to say that more than this church needs a budget or buildings or people to fill them with, we all desperately need God. And if we want to talk about giving, we want to talk about it as a response to the God who has given to us. He gave his one and only son. He gave out of the riches of his grace. And Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I give it to my own accord. And he gave his life to redeem us and transform us. So what does the Bible say about giving? We don't talk about it very much, but honestly, Jesus did. Jesus talked more about giving than he did about prayer. He talked more about giving than he did about faith. He talked more about giving than he did or about money than he did heaven and hell combined. And so from the beginning pages of scripture, we hear of people offering sacrifices to God. Cain and Abel Offered sacrifices to God. One pleased the Lord, one did not please the Lord. How can I know that my gifts are going to please the Lord? In Genesis 14, we get the first example of something close to what we would call a tithe. 
Melchizedek defeats these kings. Melchizedek is the king of Salem, which is the king of peace. And Abram, who will become Abraham, gives to Melchizedek a tenth of what he has. And when he's doing this, he's saying something. The scripture is communicating something to its early readers and to us now. In the ancient Near East, if someone gave another a tenth of what he had, that was communicating all that I have is yours. And so God's people began the practice of giving. In fact, there was a tribe of Israelites called the Levites, the sons of Aaron, and they were responsible to ministering to God's people. They didn't have an inheritance in the land, and so God's people gave a tenth of all they had, the first fruits of their crops, what they made to the Levites, and through a couple of other mechanisms of giving, the Israelites gave about 23% of their income. Then, he, then eventually the Apostle Paul would tell the Galatians to share all good things with those who taught them the word. So traditionally for Christians, there's kind of been this mindset when it's been done well, when it's been done poorly, it's, well, there's a law, there's a rule, I have to give. And sometimes churches have handled this poorly. If you don't give, you're in trouble. Well, that's not where we are and that's not who we want to be. In fact, TBC, by God's grace and by generosity of generation after generation after generation, looks way different than most evangelical churches. In most churches, 40% of the people never give anything. I, I just don't think that's true here. I think what's true here is more what's traditionally been true of the people of God, that Christ has rescued us from death. He won us victory over sin and death on the cross and blessed us with every spiritual blessing and in worship, we respond back. And one of the ways we do is by giving, but it's not the only way. An integrated Christian life impacts everything. Yes, we give a portion of our money, but all we have is His. Our days and our weeks and our months belong to Him. We give Him our gifts, our degrees, our skills, our resources, but not just that. We give Him our time. We give Him our marriages and our singleness. We give our sickness and trust to Him. We give our health to serve Him. We trust Him with life circumstances and global circumstances. We trust Him with our children. And when we say, all that I have is yours. Okay, that's great, Chase, but what are you asking me to do? What's the catch? Well, I'll tell you certainly. No question, I, I want you to give to Temple Bible Church, and I'll tell you why in just a bit. And, and you can give in boxes in the lobby, or there are cards out there that have a little QR code on them that you can give online. But it's, it's not about what, it's about why. And so I want to look in the Scripture, and there are three passages that would be a launch pad. And we'll talk about why giving generously is a really good idea I'd like to start with Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Well, right before this and kind of flowing into this is a much more familiar passage. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will be health to your body and healing to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth. Matthew 6, we read it earlier. We're called to lay up treasure in heaven. Not that laying up treasure 
on earth is an evil idea. It's just a bad idea. When you lay up treasure on earth, thieves can break in and steal it. Moths and rust can destroy it. But when you lay up treasure in heaven, it cannot be destroyed. And where your treasure is, your heart will be also. And in Galatians, Galatians chapter 6, verse 6, one who is taught the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For if you sow to your own flesh, from the flesh you will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then... As we have opportunity, let's do good to everyone and especially those who are of the household of faith. Let's pray. God, thank you. Thank you for 50 plus years of people serving in this body and praying for this body and giving to this body so that the gospel would go to the ends of the earth. Thank you, Lord, for people who are doing it now, who are sacrificing so that ministry can happen in our church and among our partners. God, we are grateful and we give you praise. We just say thank you. And we pray, God, you would stir in us hearts of generosity that are joyful. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you and I come from a long history of generous givers and I was thinking about this and I wrote down some things that just really encouraged me and as we talk about giving today we're going to talk about generous giving four ways giving generously is an act of worship giving generously is an act of trust giving generously is an act of gratitude and then giving generously is an act of seeking deep and abiding joy well first generous giving we honor the Lord with our wealth And through Jesus, we continually offer up a sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of our lips that acknowledge his name. Yes, we praise him with our lips. But then also, do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. For such sacrifices are pleasing to God. When we give, we give in worship and our worship leads to mission. We are worshiping God and we want his name to be known in our city and in all the world. And that mission then leads to further worship. People come to know Jesus and they magnify him. Just a couple of examples that encouraged me as I thought about how we do this locally. I emailed a couple of ladies who lead organizations. They're both TBCers and they lead local ministry organizations that we partner with. One is named Karen Wistron, and she has been leading Hope Pregnancy Center for a really long time. And then the other is Linda Strom. She and her husband Dallas led until his death many years ago, and now she has led Discipleship Unlimited, a a ministry to incarcerated ladies in Gatesville, but then in other places in Texas and actually all over the the world through short-term trips. And so at TBC, if you're new and you don't know, 20% of everything you give goes to global missions and another portion goes to local missions. And so I just asked Linda and Karen, what have, what have the last 10 years looked like? Can you just give me some examples of what it's looked like when people have partnered with your ministry? And, and so Linda said, well, over the last 10 years, we've been able to share the gospel with 300, what they call, they call them ladies in white. And people from this body volunteer their time and go in every week to share the gospel with ladies at Gatesville. 
and 3,000 of them have heard the gospel. Many come to know Jesus. There are 500 ladies that they've given aftercare to after they are out of Gatesville. And then now they have just opened up a ranch for ladies who are no longer incarcerated and are trying to integrate back into society to get a job, to be part of a church. And what a privilege we have because most of us may not go behind the walls in Gatesville, but we have partnership in the gospel with those who do. Karen Wister and I asked her, Karen, what is Hope Pregnancy Center? Can you tell me what it looks like over the last 10 years? And she said over 1,200 babies' lives have been saved through Hope Pregnancy Center, a crisis pregnancy center. And over 1,200 men and women have come to know Jesus Christ. Generous giving is an act of worship, has led to mission. Jesus is magnified. It leads to more worship. And that's just to talk lo- locally. See, when, when you stop and think about these people, most of them who've gone to be with the Lord, some who are still alive, who decided many, many years ago that 20% of everything given to the general fund to Temple Bible Church would go to missions. And And then many of them, like many of you, give over and above to our missionaries. So I I can't name all the places right now. But Mexico, Peru, Guatemala, Rwanda, Thailand, Papua New Guinea, Malaysia, Indonesia, England, France, Ukraine, Rwanda, Oman, UAE, Cyprus, Spain. And then, of course, Lebanon and Syria and Israel. In Egypt, we've taken the gospel to these places as well. And, and the people who've gone before us, this wasn't my idea, wasn't current leadership's idea, but people who went before us said this church is going to be a staff lean church. So what that means is that, that we have about half the pastors that most churches our size have. And we do that because we believe if you are here today and you're in Christ, you are a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all called to ministry. I love at our newcomers brunches, David Richardson will, will talk about how early on when people came to those brunches and they were in Christ and starting to connect to TBC, uh, an elder would get them to raise their right hand and say, I'm deputizing you into service for the gospel of Jesus Christ in Bell County. Because we together do the work of ministry. And, and I'm gonna brag on you for a little bit. I wanna share with you what this looks like. There's a denomination I used to be part of, so I'm, I love them, but I'm gonna make fun of them today a little bit. Well, they're a big denomination. They have 13 million people. And they send 3,511 global missionaries, which is a lot of missionaries, right? But missiologists study, and they say it takes about 100 giving units. That's 100 singles or families giving to send one Western missionary. And so if you did the math, if you got 13 million people, you break that down into families. If they were sending one missionary for every 100 giving units, they wouldn't be sending 3,500. They'd be sending 44,000. But TBC looks different than that because of decade after decade after decade, you guys giving and giving and giving. We send one missionary for about every 30 families. And so what that means, I'm not gonna ask you all to give yourself applause right now, 
What that means is that for 50 years, you guys have just given and given and given in acts of worship, and we praise God for that. We're grateful for that because giving is meant to be an act of worship. It's not just meant to be an act of worship, though. It's meant to be an act of trust. Paul told the Corinthians, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Giving is an act of trust. When we take income that we could be using on milk or using on eggs or using on vacation or using on something else and we give to God's purposes, we are trusting, saying, I believe something good and beautiful and better can happen with this. So I'm choosing to freely give. I'm choosing to freely give. And when we do that, we don't need riches to give. We need trust in Jesus. And we don't give because God needs. We give because he has invited us to be co-laborers with Christ. And so we trust this, that when you and I stand before God, when you and I stand before God, all of the things that we pursue that may bring us a little temporary satisfaction are not going to gain us any favor and will all be gone. We're invited to trust. We're invited to trust God to provide for us on less, more than we could do on our own. Well, that's kind of strange, right? In sports, if somebody's 90%, that means they're not doing as well. Sometimes there'll be an athlete And maybe he's injured. Just for instance, if you love baseball and you thought it'd be a good thing if several Rangers and Phillies players were injured right now. Well, if a guy's 90%, the coaches might say, well, can he go at 90%? And, And kind of a way people have described giving is that God can do more for us on our 90% than we can do with our 100, but but we don't live according to a law. We live by grace. We don't say you have to give 10%, but we do believe everything belongs to God. There's a a guy who, there's a university named after him in East Texas. His name was R.G. Letourneau, and he got a vision for this. He got saved as a young adult. His life got transformed, and R.G. Letourneau understood big machines and people moving machines. And So just to get a picture of his sort of wealth, when you think about these amphibious, um, these amphibious machines that offloaded troops on D-Day, we've all seen those pictures. They're non-armored vehicles, they're personnel carriers. 70% of the personnel carriers that the Allies used in World War II were built by R.G. Letourneau's company. So he did pretty well for himself. Well, R.G. Letourneau got this vision of giving that was called a reverse tithe. And what R.G. Letourneau said is, I'm going to live on 10% of my income and I'm going to give 90% away. And for many, many years, he did that. Now, most of us could not and should not do that, right? Your kids need to eat. You need to eat. You got to have a car to go to work. It's good to have good time. God has given us everything for our enjoyment, but there's this picture of what can we do if we trust God and how can he multiply it? R.G. Letourneau said, I'm in the shoveling business. I shovel out the money and God shovels it back and God's got a way bigger shovel than I do. Because R.G. 
Letourneau had a vision of worship, a vision of trust, and he has a vision of gratefulness because he knew. Even giving 90% of his massive income, he was like this little boy that comes up to the disciples in Jesus and said, here are my fish, here are my loaves. And God multiplied and continues to multiply R.G. Letourneau's gifts in education, in missions, in Texas, and throughout the world. I've got a friend who serves in Latvia, and she shares the gospel through creating prosthetics and sharing Christ with her patients. And she does so as a result of R.G. Letourneau's vision for giving. Giving generously is an act of worship. Giving generously is an act of trust. Giving generously is an act of gratitude. Paul said to the Corinthians, you'll be enriched in every way to be generous in every way which through us will produce thanksgiving or gratitude to God for the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many thanksgivings to God. So when we give, we give out of gratitude because Christ has given to us. Generous givers know that everything they have belongs to the Lord. Psalm 24, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. You, you, you all know if you have kids, I mean, we can talk about money, but money is not really the biggest thing. When you say to the Lord, you have a kid going through a hard time, you have a, a kid who gets sick in a way that you could have never imagined, you have a kid with an affliction and you have to stop and say to the Lord, no, God, I, I know he's yours. I know she's yours. Well, that costs a lot more than holding your wallet up and saying, I know it's yours. Generous givers know everything belongs to the Lord. Generous givers have a mindset of abundance. Cheerful givers, their giving overflows from a heart that's been transformed by Jesus. It's a real transformation that says all I have is yours. It's not a pretense. You may have heard the story of Ivan the Great and what pretense of worship looked like in his life. Ivan the Great was going around being great at conquering. That's what he did. And some of his advisors said, hey, you have a problem. You're not married. You don't have an heir. You need an heir. He said, great, I'll get married. Find me a wife. And so some of his advisors went and they met with the king of Athens and he had a wise and lovely dark-eyed daughter who they thought would be a great wife for Ivan the Great. And he said, yeah, that sounds super. We'll get married. You can't imagine this. They never even went to Chipotle, (laughs) never went to the roadhouse and shared those roles. They just decided to get married. So they're going to get married, but there's a problem to marry the daughter of the king of Athens. You have to become part of the Greek Orthodox Church. And Ivan says, yeah, no, no problem. Send a priest to catechize me. Well, 500 of his men said they would be baptized into the Greek Orthodox Church with him as well. And so they went through this catechism as well. And they all go out into the water about chest deep. And they literally have on their their fighting uniforms. And as they're going out into the water, one of the priests says, well, wait, there's there's a problem. You, You can't be part of the Greek Orthodox Church and be a soldier. And so they kind of went back and forth and they came up with a compromise. 
they went back in the water and each man had a priest with him to baptize him. So there's a thousand people in this body of water and the 500 soldiers pull their swords out of their scabbards and they go all the way under the water, right up to their wrist. And they said, essentially with their lives, God, you can have all of me, but my fighting hand. All of me is baptized into the church except this. Well, we, we could do that with anything, and it would just be a pretense. God, you can have all of me but my schedule. Sunday mornings for church, Sunday afternoons for football. I'm not giving that up. God, you can have all of me but my schedule, really my sleep. Like I will read the Bible after 9 a.m. maybe, but I'm not getting up at 6 to do it. I'm not giving some extra time. God, you can have all of me, but really my work. You can have all of me, but my thought life. You can have all of me, but this relationship. Or you could even go, God, you can have all of me, but my bank account, right? I'm keeping that out of the water. But a thankful heart trusts that God is going to bless in such a way that we can trust him and we can live with gratefulness Cheerful givers have a mindset of abundance. They have a heart transformed by Jesus and cheerful givers prepare to give. Paul told these Corinthians, I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead so that you could arrange in advance for the gift that you have promised. So it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. We're not gonna take anything from you. But it'd be like us saying, hey, we would love for you when you budget, to budget to give to God's purposes because gratitude overflows into a fully integrated Christian life. One that dives deep into the risky places where courage and conviction and the power of the Holy Spirit are needed to transform our minds. Where we give our time and our talents and our treasure in gratitude for God, for both who he is and what he has done and what he will do. Giving generously is an act of worship. It's an act of trust. It's an act of gratitude. And it is an act of seeking deep, deep joy. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I think it was Tim just a few weeks ago that said, we would think this would be opposite. Where your heart is, your treasure will be. But that's not what Jesus said. He said, where your treasure is, where you give your time, your talent, and your treasures. There your heart will follow. So you saw this guy drumming back here, got the kind of long curly hair and long beard. His name is Guy Fowler. Guy Fowler has been drumming since he was at the University of Texas about 15 years ago as a college student. And Guy kept on drumming and he kept getting better at it and he continues to love it. He gives his talent. Well, Guy and Cindy serve our church together. Guy serves as a deacon. He gives his time on Sunday mornings and occasionally on a Wednesday night and other times if he's needed, he is there to serve. We give our time, we give our talent, we give our treasure because we're seeking joy. What we're invited to in generous giving is that we give to God's purposes to use the money he's provided for us in a way that will bring us the deep and most lasting joy. Stated another way, you can die with $10 million in your bank account you can't take with you, but you don't have to. You can spend yourself and your money for God's purposes. 
One author says it this way, don't settle for the love of money when you can be satisfied with the love of God. Half a million dollar salary doesn't have to be accompanied by a half a million dollar lifestyle. You can leverage your life for the kingdom of God so that you might find the sort of fullness of joy that it's hard to even imagine. Again, it's not that earthly treasure is bad. It's just not wise. You can invest for 30 days or you can invest for 30 years or you can invest for reward that will overflow 30,000 and 30 million years from now. That's what it means for our treasure to be in heaven. So how do we do this? What do we do with our money? Well, Paul tells the Ephesians there are kind of three things you can do to get and use money. In Ephesians 4.28, there were some people who had come to faith and and before they were Christians, they stole. That's how they made their living. That's how they got their food. And he he says, if you're in Christ, stop stealing. So you can steal to get. Paul says, that's a bad idea. But let him labor doing honest work with his own hands. You can work to get, which is a good thing to do. But then Paul takes it further. Let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. And that's what a cheerful giver is doing, working to get to give and we give because he gave because we want to be like him in him Ephesians 1 7 we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sins and it's according to the riches of his grace that he gave to us and because we belong to him we want to give to him you you know what what we mean when we say we belong to him there's this story that the gospels tell of these teachers of the law and they're trying to trick Jesus, which never really works because he's Jesus, right? And they, they take a coin and it's got Caesar's picture on it. And they don't want to pay taxes to Rome because they don't like Rome. Rome is occupying them. And they say, hey, should we pay taxes to Caesar? And Jesus says, whose picture's on it? And they said, Caesar's. And so Jesus says, well, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. I had a guy one time tell me, yeah, I know what that means. That means that you pay your taxes. You render to Caesar what's Caesar's. And then after that, you got 10% left over. 10% belongs to God. And I said, I think you might be missing the point of that story. See, Jesus said, whose image is on the coin? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and render unto God what is God's. Caesar's image is on the coin. God's image is on you and me. So he gives us life and breath and everything else. So everything we have belongs to him and we give because we belong to him. And here's the truth. We can see impact now. We can see impact in eternity, but there's also kind of this long-term investment. We can see impact for generations after we're gone, gospel impact. When I was thinking about this, I heard a story this week that I thought encapsulated what giving generously does. So there's a dining hall at Oxford. It was built in the 1500s. And in the dining hall, along the center, there are several oak beams that go all the way across and they support the structure. 
Well, somewhere early on in the 20th century, they realized that the beams were starting to rot. And so the people who were leading Oxford went to an architectural firm and we, they said, we want to replace these oak beams with oak beams that look just like them. And the, the firm said, well, number one, you're not going to find any trees that old to use. Number two, it'd be way too expensive. We can't pull this off, but we'll, we'll build something that will come really close. It might even look better. It'll be fine. And they, they said, well, we have the original plans from 1500, right? You thought your aunt kept all her stuff. Oxford, they keep stuff. And as they're reading through the plans, uh, there's a, a point at which they realize they need to talk to the forester, the college forester. Because in the plans, what they find is a note that says, one day the beams in this dining hall will wear out. And so we've planted a grove of oak trees. So when these beams wear out, there will be oaks ready to replace them. And they go to the spot and there are 400 year old oak trees ready to be used for the purpose for which they were planted. So you hear just a minute ago, there's a little baby talking in here and that that baby may never know that back in the late 70s, a guy named Frank DeSalvo, who was working at the shipyards in New Orleans, decided he'd take up a candy business with a little Lance truck so that his son could go to seminary. And that guy would come to this place in 1981 and, and serve here for 38 years, seeing this church grow into something beautiful from just a little seed planted. Some of you never met Leroy and Nancy Winburn, or you haven't met John or Bess Jez, who to this day, John and Bess, are praying for the gospel to go out from this church. And when we give generously, we are planting acorns, if you will. And maybe generations later, they might not know who we are, but they'll know who God is, and they'll know his purposes continue to go forth. See, there's a messianic prophecy in Isaiah 61 Jesus quoted in Luke 2, or Luke 4, rather. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort those who mourn, to grant those who mourn in Zion, to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. Why? So that they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. So the invitation today is to continue to give generously or to begin to give generously as an act of worship, as an act of trust, as an act of gratitude, and as an act of seeking joy in Jesus and treasure in heaven. Again, we're not going to pass the plates. There are boxes in the back. You can go on our website or get a card that's got a little QR code on it that will take you to how to give online. We would love for you to give to God's purposes the ministry of TBC and our partners in Bell County and the world. Would you pray with me? God, would you stir in us, God, 
If someone's burdened by this or it feels like a law to them, God, free them from that and let no one give begrudgingly. God, your word says you love a cheerful giver. So would you stir in our hearts, God, as you've done in many of the hearts in this room to give to your purposes, to give so that the gospel continues to go out in the launch pad. It continues to go out in the outback. It continues to go out in small groups and in prisons and in crisis pregnancies and to children in foster care. That it continues to go to Rwanda and Ukraine through the ministry of Temple Bible Church, our many other global partners. God, let each one give what he's decided in his own heart. That's what your word says. So stir in your people joyful generosity that seeks to find treasure in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.